we will start the interview, Dr. Jones, and the theme of this interview will be about the war in Russia. And being more specific, who is behind this war? And I think you have already understood. Okay, uh, we're talking now about the war in Russia. How does this come about? In order to understand this, we have to go back in time to the uh, crucial year of 1979, when uh, in February, the Ayatollah Khomeini arrived in Iran and overturned the government. The Shah left and established the Islamic Republic. Four months later, uh, Pope John Paul II arrived in Warsaw, uh, set a mass there, uh, attended by a million people in what was officially an atheistic country. And that started the uh, ball rolling, uh, which led to the collapse of communism and the Soviet Union 10 years later. In 1989, the Berlin Wall came down, and then two years after that, in 1991, the Soviet Union dissolved and was replaced by Russia. Now, at that point, uh, we had a historical moment. At that point, the United States should have said, uh, mission accomplished. They should have said that NATO uh, is no longer necessary, and they should have abolished it. What they did instead was uh, lie to the Russians to get them to agree to uh, a peaceful dissolution of the Soviet Union. And then they started marching eastward, uh, basically enrolling all of the countries which were in the former Warsaw Pact in NATO. Uh, Russia watched this happen over a period of uh, 30 years. They saw NATO getting closer and closer and uh, the red line for Russia was the Ukraine. Uh, NATO knew this, and so uh, what happened in 2014 is that NATO, the CIA, uh, people like in the State Department like Victoria Nuland, uh, orchestrated a color revolution, a coup d'etat, which drove out the uh, uh, legitimately elected president of the Ukraine and installed a puppet uh, of the West. Uh, the, that puppet has been replaced by uh, the man in charge now, Mr. Zelensky, Vladimir Zelensky. And what they did after they uh, took over the Ukraine was to uh, continue to attack the Russian population in the eastern part, in the Donbass region of uh, the Ukraine. These were Russian speakers. Ukraine was a country made up of various different ethnic groups, but the major majority uh, ethnic group was Russian. Uh, the Crimea was always Russian territory, uh, and uh, they started attacking. During this period of time, 2014 up until 2022, uh, 14,000 Russian-speaking Ukrainians were murdered uh, by the artillery barrages that the Ukrainians were uh, attacking them with. At this point, uh, Putin tried to get the NATO to negotiate. They refused, and so he had felt that he had no other alternative uh, to protect the Russians and to invade the country, and that's what happened in uh, February a year ago. Uh, during that time, they have increasingly uh, taken over te territory uh, occupied by Russian speakers. During that time, the, United, the Western world has been subject to a propaganda barrage that has simply been nothing but lies, which are becoming more and more apparent, especially now that we are uh, watching uh, right now probably the fall of Bakhmut within a few days. 
and that will then lead to uh, the basically the Russians heading all the way to the Dnieper and accomplishing their mission. So that's my understanding of how the war in Ukraine came about. Perfect. Could you say a few words about Dugin's so-called influence in the Putin government? Is such influence, by any chance, as great as they say? No, I, I think that uh, Dugin's uh, influence uh, in Russia has been exaggerated. Uh, of course, what happened uh, just uh, this past year is that uh, the Ukrainian uh, terrorist uh, murdered Dugin's daughter, and that gave him a lot of uh, publicity as a result of that. Uh, but uh, I don't, I don't think that the, he, his his writing was that influential influential in forming the mind of uh, Vladimir Putin. I don't think, I don't think, I think that the the logic of events is enough. That Putin came to power after the um, fall, uh, after Boris Yeltsin. Boris Yeltsin was basically uh, the man who was appointed by the Western oligarchs to to stay drunk as they looted Russia. Uh, Putin saw that this is happening. He saw this was a tragedy for Russia. I, I don't think you need detailed philosophical analysis to understand something this obvious. It's obvious that. Uh, Dugin was a Russian patriot, and he didn't. He wasn't in agreement with what was going on, and uh, called for a reaction to it. But I don't. I think it was obvious to everyone involved in Russia that something had to happen. You don't need a philosopher to explain this to you. Understood. Uh, and what we can do as Catholics, what we can think and do about this war, besides praying. Oh, and with all media hype aside, based on what we really know about this war, what can we do in the end? Besides praying, of course, that's the most useful thing we can do. Well, you, everyone needs to know, whether you're Catholic or not, that NATO is the aggressor here. That is the fundamental fact. Uh, and everything else is an attempt to justify NATO's aggression. Uh, this needs to be uh, made apparent in Europe as well, because in addition to being a war on the Ukraine, uh, a war on Russia, uh, the United States is waging a war on Europe as well. Uh, it's waging war on its allies. It's waging war on Germany. And the best example of that was when they blew up the pipeline. Germany has been humiliated uh, beyond anything that I experienced when I was over in Germany. This, uh, the Schultz-Baerbach uh, administration, the, uh, the traffic light uh, coalition that is running Germany, uh, can't stay in power. They are going to have to, uh, someone else is going to have to replace them, uh, who has a realistic understanding of the situation that, the United, that Germany does not benefit anymore from its alliance with the United States. It's been conquered by the United States, and now the United States has fully occupied Germany in a way that won't allow them to uh, express their own self-interest. Now, NATO was created to protect Germany from a Russian invasion, ostensibly. It was really created to keep Germany in line, and now that's becoming obvious. So right now you have a completely unstable situation in Europe where every country is being subjected to huge demonstrations in the streets, all because of the uh, a de facto or de jure alliance that all of these countries have with the United States. 
It's forcing these people. This is an oligarchic control of the countries of Europe. The people who are in power in Europe are servants of the oligarchs, uh, the, uh, and they do not represent the interest of the people of their own countries. I don't care where you look. It's the same situation. The first reaction to this, I think, has come from Holland, where the uh, Farmers Party uh, basically won the most recent election. So Rutte, the, the uh, former prime minister, is out of office. Rutte is a representative of the oligarchs. The fundamental problem in Europe is representative government. Every country represents interests that are inimical to the people of that country. And what's going to happen here with the war in the Ukraine is that that, is, that will make that obvious to everyone and will co bring about, in my opinion, it will bring about the collapse of NATO, uh, the collapse of the European Union, and the return to governments that only represent the interest of, of their people. Doctor, do you think we can expect good things at the end of this war? Will we destroy the liberal structures of these modern countries with, like you say, operate against themselves? Could this war be leading us to a good outcome? I don't know, but and that's why I'm asking you. Can we expect good things in the outcome of this war? I think we can always expect something good uh, because we're Catholics and we understand that God is in charge of human history. God wanted a certain outcome, I think, in 1979, uh, but he's not going to coerce free will. And uh, But God understands that uh, the wicked uh, will pursue their interests, the wicked and the powerful will pursue their interests, but he allows them to bring about his plan by allowing them to, by turning those wicked interests into good. And so you have to have that clarity when you understand it. Hegel called it the cunning of reason. The Biden government, as we know, and that's what I want to say here, is a fifth column, column government, a suicide government. He was only put on this charge to destroy the United States by his own weakness, old age and being almost senile. He competing with Putin is a political suicide and with Kamala being his deputy, a woman who was only elected for being a feminist and other things exist, etc. And meanwhile, on the other hand, Putin is a former KGB agent agent with more than 35 years of service. Can we expect by any chance that so in the going on of the war, can we expect by any chance that she will replace him at the end of this war and initiate the final defeat of the United States? And my second question is, isn't that part of their plan by any, in the end? Because as we see in the 2003 agenda, its first objective is the creation of nations united to the United Nations in contrast to the United States as a world power. Is all those things going on?
part of their plan? Isn't they part of their plan in the end? No. No, it's not their plan. I'm saying God has a plan. And God will bring about his plan no matter what wicked men do. The plan of the United States is basically to continue going eastward, to uh, use the Ukraine to destroy Russia, uh, to break, and then they will break up Russia, and then after that they will uh, invade China and break, break up China, and everyone will be a slave of the United States of America. There will be no resistance nowhere in the world. Uh, that's the plan. It's not going to happen, though. They're going to bring about the exact opposite of what they intended, not because they in intended it. Biden will bring it about because of his own stupidity and uh, his own weakness. Uh, he will bring about the exact opposite of what he intends. I'm saying you have to understand the way history works if you want to understand how you can square the intentions of the wicked with the plan of God. The plan of God always wins out over the intentions of the wicked. And sometimes it doesn't seem that way, but uh, when the prophet Habakkuk says, you know, the word goes out and it will come back fulfilled. Well, sometimes it doesn't. And it says, if it doesn't, just wait. And I think that's what happened in 89. The plan had been completed. This was a revolution against uh, materialism, both on the part of Iran and on the part of uh, Poland. And then it got hijacked by wicked men. The Russians are going to win this war. And, the, and the, what has happened is that all of the things that were supposed to weaken Russia are now weakening the nations in the West. The sanctions that were supposed to weaken Russia have strengthened Russia. Uh, blowing up the pipeline didn't hurt uh, Russia, it hurt Germany. The sanctions have hurt the United States. All of the spending on war has created inflation. The Fed, uh, our national bank, decided to cut inflation uh, by raising interest rates, and that brought about the collapse of these banks. So everything that the United States is doing is failing. And I'm saying it's failing because it's not part of God's plan. And what do you think it will be the future of Europe in, with Russia winning this war? Russia will, Russia will win the war. This will discredit NATO. At this point, a new government will come to power in Germany that will want to make peace with Russia and reconnect the pipeline. At that point, every other country in Europe will feel, see that the only future is to break with NATO and reestablish their own uh, ethnic identity and throw the oligarchic party out and put a nativist uh, uh, party in power. That's exactly what happened in Holland uh, because the oligarchs in charge there, the Mark Rutte uh, administration, uh, overplayed his hand by trying to steal 3,000 farms uh, in the name of uh, global warming or preventing global warming. I think that's the, uh, the sign that the, the tide is turning, what hap just happened in Holland. And what about, Doctor, the future of the United States? Will the United States be put in the trash bin, so to say? Like, are the world nations going to simply discard the United States from the game? Uh, so what's going to happen to them with the outcome of this war? 
the you have to distinguish between the United States and the American Empire. Uh, I think that what's hap- going to happen is that when NATO loses the war with Russia, there will have to be a change in attitude, and it will have to be reflected in the government. And you're, we're going to have to go back to the principles which we never should have left in the first place, which is the principles of America first. Where we'll go back to being a manufacturing country, we will uh, prioritize manufacturing over finance. Uh, we will simply NATO will cease to exist. That's the main uh, pro- main vehicle whereby the United States projects power uh, across the world. That will stop, uh, and we'll have to reach a kind of a kind of modus vivendi with the fact that uh, Russia and China now control the Eurasian landmass. So we're going to have to, you know, retrench, go back to what we never should have left in the first place, which is America first. And my last question, Doctor, if you, I may ask you, and you can answer me, is what is going to be the future of our country, Brazil, with the outcome and the results of this war and all those conflicts in the world? That we have Lula supporting Biden in the government, and so what can we expect in the end of all this confusion in our part? Right now, you have an unnatural situation in Brazil that still reflects the Cold War, uh, which is basically a time when there was uh, the Soviet Union and the United States were the two superpowers. And so the two parties in Brazil had to be either the communist or the socialist or the conservative, the neoconservative or liberal party. Once the uh, once this once we realize that this is not the, the does not correspond to the world as it exists, uh, the Brazil will be strengthened by joining with the other uh, BRICS nations. Uh, they've already Brazil has already positioned itself from a foreign power point of view, policy point of view, uh, with uh, the uh, alliance with Russia. Uh, uh, India, China, that's going to be the emerging power. They will probably come up with a currency of their own. And so Brazil will be independent of the United States because the entire world will be independent of the dollar as the world's reserve currency. So Brazil is in a strong position, but it's got to break away from this constant pendulum swing from, you know, communism to conservatism or, you know, capitalism and back again there's a middle way and it represents uh the belief the beliefs of the brazilian people because they're catholic it's a catholics are the majority in that country there is a catholic alternative to both communism and capitalism as practiced today and the brazilians don't know what it is this is why i would hope that uh, i'm hoping that my book uh baron metal a history of capitalism as the conflict between labor and usury, I'm hoping that it will get translated into Portuguese. As uh, My book, Libido Dominandi, has already been translated in Portuguese. So, I think my questions are over and we can end this interview. Thank you very much for accepting this invite. And I apologize for my possible pronunciation in English. But again, thank you very much for accepting to enjoy in this interview. Thank you, doctor. Thank you. Thank you for having me.